Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Hey, everybody, it's Don LaGreca with the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. Hopefully everybody is doing well. Well, you start to feel like we're in the groove now with COVID-19. We haven't seen any postponements like we did last year, and the light is certainly at the end of the tunnel. Uh, Kids 5 to 11 now can get vaccinated in New York City starting today. But you do get those constant reminders that it's still there, and it's still a problem. And from the sports perspective, we're certainly feeling it in the NHL with Sidney Crosby and Brian Dumoulin both testing positive. Sidney Crosby has mild symptoms from a hockey standpoint you know Crosby's only played one game for the Penguins anyway but Dumoulin's going to be a bit of a problem you lose a defenseman for a certain length of time but you want to make sure everybody is okay but just that reminder you look what's happened in the NFL no Aaron Rodgers uh, for the Packers game against the Chiefs the Giants had a running back coach test positive after 13 positive tests, but then after retesting, 12 of those were false positives, or at least they tested negative the second time around. We'll see what happens a third time around, but it's still there. It's still a bit of a problem. That's why, you know, from a sports perspective, we kind of have to pump the brakes on making these foregone conclusions. 10 games into the season because you're going to see these things continue to pop up during the year and major players might be missed and that can kind of derail a hot streak it could certainly give a team a win that maybe they wouldn't have had otherwise and so we've got to pay a little attention to that we hope we don't have what happened to Vancouver last year that completely you know derailed their season late in the year where they were finishing up the regular season while the playoffs already started we hope we don't get to that point and certainly the more and more players that are vaccinated will stop that from happening and we get closer and closer to this finally being over but it's just a reminder that just when you think you got it all figured out And just when you think your team is in great shape, you might end up having to play a significant amount of time without a key player, a key goaltender. And that's something that kind of hovers around every team as we now enter the month of November. Let's take a look at the games last night. And let's start with the game that I called the Canucks and the Rangers from Vancouver. And we've talked a lot about the Rangers on this podcast. We usually do. And the feeling you have to have six... 2-2 2-2 and two start is outstanding, especially compared to what they've been over the last four years. Best start since 16-17, ironically enough, the last time the Rangers made the playoffs. Had the Rangers gotten two points last night, it would have been their best start since the 08-09 season when they went 7-2-1, and one, and they blew the two-goal lead early in the third period. That was a little disconcerting because as good as the Rangers have played, and the fact that they've been able to do a lot of damage without Panarin and Zibanejad, although both scored last night on the power play, somebody other than Chris Kreider scoring a power play goal for the Rangers, is that they've been certain lulls during games that they either either overcome, like they did against Ottawa, like they did against Seattle, and times they don't overcome, like what happened with Dallas and happened with Calgary and now what happened with Vancouver. And listen, I don't think the Rangers played particularly well last night. And they were up 2 nothing, uh because of their special teams, getting two power play goals and, and end up going 6-for-6 six six on the penalty kill. They've killed 27 of their last 28 
times shorthanded, which is an excellent statistic. And Igor Shosturkin is going to balance everything out because he has just been an outstanding goaltender for the Rangers this year. But let's face it, if you were playing Calgary, Edmonton, or Florida, ironically enough, the teams that you're going to be playing in the next three games, you're probably not up to nothing in the third period. If they play the way they played against Seattle... Uh, in the next three games. The Rangers probably not going to win too many of them. So they still have to figure out how to put a 60-minute effort in. I think they will get better as the season goes on, and I don't think you'd have to be too worried about them. It's always a good thing when you can find room for improvement but still find yourself well above 500, second place in the division. I think you got to feel good about where the Rangers are right now as long as they correct this problem and it doesn't become something that lingers because if it does I'm telling you Edmonton on Friday Calgary on Saturday then come home to play Florida on Monday you could be staring at maybe you know three game losing streak um, no regulation wins in four straight and dig yourself a bit of a hole because that's how good I think these teams are now the Rangers will get a break on Friday because Edmonton you know play uh, tonight, so the Rangers have a little bit of an extra rest against the Oilers, but still, you know, then a back to back again in Calgary, and then it's always tough to play that first home game after a long road trip. Just ask the Rangers after their last four game trip, they came home and put up a stinker against Calgary, and they'll go up against an even better team in Florida next Monday. Um, it could get away from you pretty quick. There's a very, very competitive league, so you've got to be able to correct your situations. And you see from Gerard Gallant, too, and we've talked a little bit about the difference between Quinn and Gallant, and you see it in the post-game press conferences. Man, Gallant goes out of his way to be very positive. And he thought, oh, we played well. We just had a little bit of a letdown here. Quinn wouldn't have stood for that. Maybe that's what the players like, um, that he's not as hard on them. Now, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but certainly in the press conference after the game, he seemed to be uh, a little bit um, happier with the effort than I think a lot of Ranger fans and even players probably would have felt after that one as far as the Canucks you know they're they're shorthanded they're missing a few players but I gotta tell you Thatcher Demko is all that and we saw it a couple of years ago in the playoffs when the Canucks made a run didn't get to see it because they were overly disappointing last year but but Demko is going to get himself a contract uh, he was the major reason why they won that game last night. He made some unbelievable saves. He was just absolutely terrific in his performance last night. And again, it wasn't the number of shots that he saw. I think he only made like 20 saves, but some high-quality stuff. He is a very good goaltender. I thought it was a mistake by Travis Green to start Demko over Yuroslav Halak, because Halak's numbers against the Rangers are unbelievable, but give Green credit, he saw something in Demko, and he was a major reason why Vancouver was able to get their first victory at home this year. Uh, Ducks shut out the Devils' final score there was 4 to nothing. You know, neither of these teams are going to make the playoffs, but I do like the Ducks and, and how they've performed so far this year, and the first goal of the year for Ryan Getzloff, he's already had, um, you know passed um, Timu Solani for points in franchise history history and you know it's it's a great career that Ryan Getzloff has had and I'm glad that he's going to get a chance to it looks like play his entire career with the Ducks and I'm not saying he's done by any stretch of the imagination he's played over 1100 games has 992 points so sometime within the next couple of weeks he's going to hit the thousand point mark he's a plus 113 player in his career and he was part of that 07 championship and part of that amazing 2003 draft and you know you look at the um, players 
that he had a chance to play with that are all gone, like the Forever Ducks, you know, John Sebastian Jaguar, uh, Timu Solani, uh, Corey Perry. Um, I guess you throw uh, Scott Niedemeyer in, into that mix because of winning the Cup in 2007. But Ryan Getzloff is the face of this franchise. He's clearly getting to the end of his career here. But 10 points in 11 games is still pretty good. He's on pace to have 80-plus points. And I'm not saying he's anywhere close to being done for his career, but that would be kind of cool if he can end up playing for the Ducks his entire career. And, you know, Solani's probably the face now because he's the Hall of Fame player. But I think when it's all said and done, Ryan Getzloff is going to be considered the greatest Duck of all time, and he gets his first goal of the year. Things getting a little bit better for uh, the Canadians after getting off to that just brutal start, losing their first five games of the season. Uh, they've kind of stabilized things here just a little bit as they've gone three and three since then, uh, and they shut out the Detroit Red Wings, which is pretty good. The Red Wings are off to a good start; they were above five hundred at the start of the game, uh, but they uh, are able to get the three to nothing victory, and also got forty-one shots on goal, which is something. I mean, they're missing so many players from last year, but Suzuki gets a goal. Uh, Druin was taken to the hospital after being hit in the head by a puck. That was kind of a, a scary story. Uh, Anderson scores, Gallagher scores, all the usual suspects that they're going to need. Allen was good, um, and Montreal does get the win, and we'll find out how Druin is doing a little bit later on. Would you be concerned about the Vegas Golden Knights? Uh, we all, myself included, kind of handed the um, Pacific Division to Vegas because of how good they've been in the past. And again, it's not that crazy. We're not that deep into the season. Nine games play, but they're under 500 at 4-5-0. and uh, They have yet to score a power play goal this season, which is just kind of unbelievable when you think about it. I mean, how can a team um, go that long without being able to, to score in that way? And they get shut up by a Maple Leaf team that's starting to warm up. I think there was a bit of a hangover from what happened last year, but they're starting to warm up. They've won three in a row, so I think Toronto is going to be fine, and they shut out the Golden Knights 4 nothing. Flyers with a 3 nothing win over the Coyotes. Uh, when are the Coyotes going to get their first win? Uh, it, it's They're the only team in the National Hockey League without a win. They've earned just one point so far this year. Arizona's next game is going to be at Anaheim, so maybe a chance to get it there. Minus 29 goal differential, which is by far the worst in the NHL. I know they're in a rebuild, but this has been an embarrassment, and it's going to be very, very difficult to live down the team that finally loses to the Coyotes, but the Flyers could win as uh, Hart plays well for Philly. Um, Things are beginning to slow down a little bit for the Ottawa Senators, too. They fought back in that game last night, but they lose in over time by the final score of five to four uh, to the wild um, as they were they they were down three one after one period of play they had a three goal second period but then uh, they end up losing that game in overtime as Minnesota gets the overtime uh, tally and now the Ottawa Senators like I said I was very high on them at the beginning of the season uh, but they're you know three five and one uh, so far this season and haven't looked great on the road they've only got one win they're under 500 at home. So and, and I, I called that game in which they blew that third period lead against the Rangers, giving up way too many shots. Minnesota had 43 shots on goal. Uh, Winnipeg with a shootout win over the Dallas Stars. So Winnipeg just trying to kind of gain some traction as well. There is a team that's kind of been in a bit of malaise so far this season uh, at times, even though they're 5-2-2, two, and two, uh, but I think they would be a little bit better. They're 3-0 and oh at home, which is good for them as they get a big win against the Dallas Stars. Flames finally get cooled off a bit. 
bit. They do earn a point, but they lose at home to the Nashville Predators by the final score of 3-2. to two. Sabres lose to the Sharks 5-3. to three. Got to give the Sharks some love. I'm hearing that a lot on Twitter. Hey, listen, I, I was the one that said that their quick start was for real, and it may be, but this is a team that's also been hit by COVID protocol. No Carlson, no LeBanc. I had actually made it my ice pick that the Buffalo Sabres would win this game on the money line, and I was wrong. So a good job by the Sharks to pick up a win as they're able to cash in with just 27 shots on goal. It's funny that we had the Flames and the Sabres mentioned back-to-back because that's the other big story in the National Hockey League. Things are warming up with Jack Eichel. Looks like they're, as they describe it, on the one-yard line of making a deal here. And according to ESPN... It sounds like the two teams that are involved are the Flames and the Golden Knights, and that both teams will allow Eichel to have the surgery on his neck that he wants to have. So the way it's going to work out is it becomes a Kucherov situation, right, where you're not going to have him for the regular season, but you hope he recovers in time for the postseason. And that's why I think it makes the Flames, to me, as the team that might have the best shot of making a deal here and the one that makes the most sense. Now, I think the Vegas Golden Knights are going to be okay. But I don't look at the Golden Knights right now as a team necessarily that's guaranteed a playoff spot in what has now become a very, very competitive Pacific division. With Edmonton and Calgary both being legit cup contenders at the top of that division. Which means in order to guarantee you a playoff spot, that leaves you the one spot in the Pacific to battle with San Jose, Vancouver. I still think Vegas is going to make the playoffs. But you look at Calgary, I think Calgary is a surefire playoff team that could possibly make a run, especially with the way Markstrom is playing. So if you're going to look at it like the Tampa situation, where I don't have Eichel all year, but I get him back for a playoff run, boy, I think he could do a lot of damage with both of these teams because Vegas is so desperate for a center. So maybe what makes sense as far as knowing you're not going to have Eichel this year until the playoffs, maybe it makes more sense for the Flames. But as far as pure need is concerned, Vegas probably needs him. They went to the third round last year. Didn't really have a center of note. They lost Stevenson. That really hurt in the Montreal series. So Eichel makes a lot of sense for both. I just think the team that can really cash in this year for that is Eichel. And it'd be good for Eichel to be able to go someplace where he can really play with some excellent players. they got a ton of wingers there in Vegas, a lot of talent to play with in Calgary as well, and have a chance to get into the postseason and maybe, just maybe, be able to compete for a Stanley Cup and what could be could be a wide-open Western Conference for sure. When we're talking about Edmonton and Calgary being teams that can maybe contend, that tells you how open it could possibly be. So I'm kind of really looking forward to seeing that Eichel deal getting done sooner than later. Again, it's not going to matter. He'll get the surgery, won't play, but it'll be great to see him in another uniform. No offense to Buffalo Sabre fans, but I think everybody is ready for that divorce to finally become final and get a chance to see Eichel play and play at a high level with a really good team. All right, let's close now with your tweets at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Let's go to our buddy Steve, who says, how would you grade last night's performance from Igor Shosturkin? Fantastic. I mean, really, he's just been absolutely terrific. He has. And I know he didn't get the win, and he gave up a couple of goals in the first five minutes of the third period. Not sure he could have done anything about either of those two. He is just a, a, a tremendous goaltender right now. And I had picked him for the Vesna at the beginning of the year. So far, he would be a candidate through the first 10 games. He has been outstanding. 
And uh, he's, listen, he is a major reason why the New York Rangers are in second place in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, Guido says, hey, Don, is it time to be concerned about Kako and Lafaniere? They're no longer teenagers and neither has shown any sign of being elite or even top-line players. Is this our karma of lucking into Adam Fox? Well, listen, Kako, um, remember, he's in his third year. Uh, he, he did get injured. So let's leave Kako alone for now. I mean, he ended up missing four games with the upper body injury, so I'm not going to get on Kako. Lafaniere, I think, has been good. I do. Now, has it shown in points? No. But watching him play, you're seeing a player that's getting a chance to mature. Remember, he played in a 56-game schedule last year, no preseason games, got better as the year went on. I know it's not showing statistically like it wasn't showing statistically for Zabanajad and Panarin either. I mean, both of those guys only have two goals, only had one goal each going into the game last night. So I think you're going to be fine with both of those teams. Uh, both of those players. The Yankee and Penguin says, Hi, Don, do you think the Devils make made a mistake hiring Lindy Ruff over Peter Laviolette? All right. Clearly, when you look at what Laviolette's done in Washington compared to what Ruff has done in um, New Jersey, it's easy to say Peter Laviolette. Here's what I will just say personally. I, I would rather have had Peter Laviolette. I think both are excellent coaches. Let's not forget, as a very young man, Lindy Ruff took the took the uh, Buffalo Sabres to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup. Or was it Game 6? It was Game 6 on the whole goal, right? So he's not. He's a very good coach, all right? And the Devils are in a major transition. So I'm not sure Peter Laviolette would have the Devils anywhere near the playoffs, um, just like Lindy did. But I've always been a Peter Laviolette fan because here's the thing with Peter, all right? He does wear on you, and I got to know Peter a little bit. Uh, I did some shows with him when he was transitioning between the Islanders and Carolina, and I got to know him a little bit because I covered that carolina Edmonton final in 06, and and I, I like Peter a lot, so I know him personally. Um, but, but that's not affecting what I'm about to say here as being a, a fan of his. He's got the resume, all right? Uh, he did not necessarily go deep in the playoffs of the Islanders, but when the Islanders were languishing, not making the playoffs, his first three years as coach there, they went to the playoffs, including going to Game 7 against the Toronto Maple Leafs in his first year there. All right, Then he goes to Carolina, wins a Stanley Cup. Only the second time the Hurricanes ever went to a Stanley Cup final, and they win the whole thing. All right. Then he goes to Philadelphia. What happens in Philadelphia? Takes him to a Stanley Cup final. Then he goes to Nashville. What do they do in Nashville? They go to a Stanley Cup final. Uh, he has put his fingerprints on a few franchises and has been the best coach in a lot of those places. And now he's in Washington, and he's got an excellent chance to win again. Again, a disappointment last year in the postseason, but he's got them flying this year as they um, are you know, right there as a playoff spot in, in third place. Uh, I love Peter Laviolette. Now, does that mean that Peter Laviolette Laviolette would have the Devils in a better position than Lindy would have right now? I don't think so, because the Devils are certainly in transition. But I am a Peter Laviolette fan. All right, Troy says, when can the NHL and the NHLPA meet again to structure the CBA to include more protective and support for play, protection and support of players from team staff who use their authority to violate their personal and ethical rights? Well, we just saw another lawsuit with the Pittsburgh Penguins now where a wife of a coach felt that she was sexually harassed. What has to happen is you can't wait till the CBA is over. Both sides have to be in on this, and you've got to put a codicil in the contract, and you've got to work on this immediately. Immediately. Gary Bettman's got to save some face here. 
I don't think he had a great post-game press conference on the whole situation uh, with what happened with the Chicago Blackhawks. You're hearing rumblings that some of the owners are losing confidence in Gary Bettman. He's been there since he's been there since 1992-93, and that was the start of the season. That was the beginning of his tenure. That was a long, long time ago. It has been a long, long run, almost 30 years as commissioner of the sport, and there's a lot of good. But this has been an ugly situation, and the handling of it I don't think was great, and not, not, certainly not by the Players Association either. So Donald Fear and Gary Bettman could, could both come together and say, you know, we both can save face here, and let's put together something that we can put in the CBA to make sure nothing like this ever even remotely happens again. And, and you do that, and then they've both got to agree upon bringing in a third party that sole job is to handle these allegations. You can no longer count on these teams. You can't count on the Players Association. You can't count on the league. They've got too much to lose. They do. And you wonder if their heart's in the right place when there's so much money that can be lost, so much reputation that can be lost. And we've seen it happen with Michigan State. We've seen it happen with Penn State. We've seen it with the U.S. Olympic team. It's so easy for these institutions to put themselves first over the player, over the situation, over the victim. So a third party has to be brought in here that can look at it and deal with it. So a victim can go to that third party that's associated with both the Players Association and ownership. And then that they'll be the ones to do the investigation. And they can be unbiased in their reporting and get it done. And if you got both sides paying for it, then you don't have to worry about um, one side or the other feeling like they're dominating the situation and you make it independent with where they say what they say goes. They issue the fines. They issue the suspensions. They take care of the police or anything, the courts. You just got to find a third party that's affiliated with the owners and the players but but can come down hard and that way you know the right thing is being done. And I think that's what you've got to sit down and you've got to find a way to agree upon. Because as long as you're leaving it up to the owners and the players, they're going to do what's right for them, and the victim always gets lost. That's not just in sports. That's in every walk of life. God forbid the institution gets touched. God forbid the institution comes down, and it sucks, and it's got to stop. Sam Diaz says the Rangers are on a 115-point pace for the season, yet they've struggled offensively for at least six of their ten games. Is it safe to say that their moves to bolster the third and fourth line are working, or is there more to do with the outstanding play of Shesterkin? I think it has to do a lot with Shesterkin. He stole the game against Seattle. He stole the game against Toronto. Things look a lot different if they lose those two games, right? Because now we're not talking about a 6-2-2 start. Now we're talking about a 4-4-2 start, and things look a lot different than they do. So to me, it's been about Shesterkin. Yes, the Rangers have got production from other places besides uh, Panarin and Zabanajad, but I think Shesterkin has been the big difference there. Donnell says, sucks that the Devils game against the Ducks was on ESPN Plus last night, which people was not happy that they couldn't see the game. Well, again, we've had this conversation before, and I'm, I'm getting I'm getting tagged as an ESPN shill, which is funny if you know me because I always get in trouble for being kind of anti-ESPN on the Michael K show. But, again, they're trying to sell their product. You knew when it's you signed on with ESPN that they were going to be taking games and putting them on ESPN+. Plus. You don't have ESPN+, Plus, just like people didn't have cable back in the day. And there were times, this was reminded to me on Twitter, that even people that had cable, 
you know, maybe didn't have MSG or didn't have Sports Channel at the time. I remember when ESPN first had the television rights and they started putting games on ESPN2. And my cable didn't have ESPN2. It only had ESPN. And I remember all excited to watch a game, not realizing I didn't have ESPN2. And then I started calling my cable provider and they, they didn't have it. So, so think about that. It's like I wanted ESPN2. And I couldn't get it. I called my cable company. It was Cablevision at the time in North Jersey. I want ESPN too. And and I cried to the rest. And then eventually, like it was like a few months later, we got ESPN too. Thank God it was in time for the playoffs because a lot of playoff games are on ESPN too. I couldn't purchase it. I wasn't allowed to have it. So at least with ESPN Plus, you're allowed to have it. It's not a situation where your cable provider doesn't give it to you. It's not a situation where it's only on DirecTV and you live in an apartment and you don't have Southwest exposure, whatever it is, for your dish. You can purchase ESPN Plus. It sucks that you have to pay extra money. But this is the world that we live in. Whether it's paying extra for cable, paying for an extra cable box, or, or what's going on right now with people that have Comcast and can't watch MSG so they can't watch the Rangers, you know... You have the ability to purchase this. So when you say, I can't watch it because it's on ESPN+, Plus, you can watch it. It sucks you have to pay for it, but I guess that's life. That's the way it works. They want to be able to sell their product, and they can sell it by having exclusivity with games. And like I said, and it stinks that Devil fans um, and, and Duck fans couldn't watch their game on their respective cable networks. And they all can watch it on ESPN Plus, but is it any different than when they take a Met Philly game and put it on Facebook Live or put it on YouTube Live? It's the same thing. You have it, you just have to pay for it. And if you're a hockey fan with the number of games that they're putting on ESPN Plus, it might be worth the investment. Get the bundle. I'm telling you, I'm not trying to shill for Disney because I, I, I. I work for Disney, but I'm telling you, I'm also a customer. Who are you taking out? And I've got kids, so I bundle the Hulu, the Disney Plus, and the ESPN Plus because I'm a hockey fan. I want to watch the hockey games. I got kids, and Disney Plus is just amazing with all the old Disney movies that are on there. Again, I love everything to be free. I love it. I love everything to just turn on your television and watch the games. But you know how it works. So I, I, I can't flip out and start killing ESPN. It's like I wouldn't kill TNT. I wouldn't kill Fox. Anybody else that puts games on apps. It's, it's the wave of the future. It's the way things are going right now. Uh, let's close it out with Calvin Hewitt, big Shark fan. He's got a couple of tweets here, so let's go to the first one. It says, hey, Don, with the COVID issues in San Jose, do you put their start of the season down to the youth that has been given an opportunity, we're ready to play this level unlike last season, or is it the elder statesmen are stepping up and overshadowing the youth? Then he says, or is it more along the lines of everyone seemingly happy without a certain player or suspension is away from the team, though I believe that certain player is a top-tier player, maybe not a good locker room guy. Cheers, love the podcast, Don. Of course, you're talking about Evander Kane. Evander Kane was not well-liked in that room, as we know, as, as hell of a player that he is. You can't say that's not part of it, but I do think overall these young kids are getting a chance to play again. We saw them last year. They're starting to come together. We talked about it earlier in the podcast. Even a guy like Tomas Hedl, he's still, what is he, 27 years old, and he feels like he's been around forever. But they've got, some, they've got a good mix there. 
but they're starting to build towards something. Plus, you're getting goaltending, which is something I'm not sure you could say during the Martin Jones era, right? Sometimes the, the sometimes you were absolutely killed by the goaltending play. So whether it's Reimer or Hill, whether it's the young players melding or meshing with the older players or the um, the exit of Evander Kane, I think all those things have contributed to a Sharks team that I think is a legit playoff team. And that could be bad news for Vegas because if San Jose slides into that third spot in the Pacific Division, Vegas is going to be stuck as a wild card team, and that could be that could be really tough. So, listen, I think Vegas is going to be okay. I think Colorado is going to be okay. There's a few teams off to a slow start. We're still very, very early in the infancy of this season, so I wouldn't get too crazy, both positive or negative, but I still think that what the Sharks are doing is absolutely legit. Okay, we had a lot of fun today. We'll be back again on Friday. I think it'll be time. We'll be deep enough in the season on Friday to do a top five. So we will do a top five teams in the league coming up on Friday. You want to contribute with your list, you can do that. At Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct is always the way to get in touch with me. We will talk to you again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.